Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Can we make our way back to our seats? We're going to move forward in the service. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me today for the reading of the word. Amen. And I'd like to direct your attention to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 19 and verse number 1. And um, a lot of times we, as preachers, feel the direction of the Lord, but still sometimes feel a little bit uncertain, wondering if we have the right message, and then we pray for confirmation. Amen. And when Brother Walmer began going to Luke chapter 18, reading about something very similar, I was thinking, man, thank you, Lord. Amen. Because we don't want to get out of the will of God. Amen. And so thankful today, amen, for God's presence here today. And thankful for everyone that's here today in the house of the Lord. Amen. Y'all are a beautiful group of people. Amen. Amen. God's presence is in this place. And I'm thankful for what God is doing here in Lathrop and in Abundant Life Center. Uh, Luke chapter 19 and verse number 1. And it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. Amen. He was the top of the worst people. He was the worst of the worst, according to uh, the Jewish mindset. And the Bible says he was rich, so the people despised him even more. Uh, if nothing else, because of jealousy, uh, maybe even mismanagement and other things. And verse number three says, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was. This was Zacchaeus's intent. He sought to see Jesus, amen, who he was and could not for the press or for the people that were there, the crowd that was gathered around. And the Bible says the reason for that was because he was little of stature or he was short, vertically challenged, however you want to say it. He was little of stature and he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste. And come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, Amen. The people around, Amen, they did not want to see anything good happen to Zacchaeus' life. Amen. They thought he deserved all the punishment that could be delivered his way because he was a tax collector because he worked for the Roman government uh, and they did not like amen to see God working in his life. Uh, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the son of man is come to seek and to save 
that which was lost. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And for a few moments this morning, I'm going to preach about a sight for sore eyes. Amen. A sight for sore eyes. Amen. Would you set your Bibles down and help me pray? Amen. Would you pray that God would anoint me to preach and God would anoint your heart to receive his word? Lord, we ask you right now, we join together as a church family, as the body of Christ, a body of believers. We're asking you one more time, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, not to our neighbors, God, not to the other person down the road from us, but God, speak to me, speak to us, God, speak to us. And bless your word to our heart. God, anoint the man of God. Anoint, Lord, myself as your servant to deliver your word. I pray, God, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost break the yoke of sin. Let it destroy the yoke, God. Let there be redemptive lift that takes place in this house today. And we give you glory and honor. And everyone say in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated today. Amen. Jericho, that great city of commerce where lived a man named Zacchaeus, who was, as the Bible says, chief among the publicans. This term which designates his office chief among the publicans is unusual, but it describes him, no doubt, as the superintendent of customs or tribute. In the district of Jericho where he lived. The office of chief of publicans must have been a lucrative one in such a region as Jericho. And it is not strange that Zacchaeus is mentioned by Luke as a rich man because of the job which he uh, had. All publicans, the Jews regarded as great sinners... And the chief of the publicans was therefore regarded as especially wicked. In other words, Zacchaeus had a certain stigma to his name, to his title, to the the role, the office that he filled. Amen. He had a stigma, a social stigma upon his life. Amen. Publicans as tax collectors were viewed as sinners and, and wicked and vile. And, and Brother Walmer gave us comparisons early in his, in his teaching. But to say that Zacchaeus was not just a publican, but he was chief among the publicans. He was the worst of the sinners, if you will. And uh, this was how everyone in that particular city of Jericho saw Zacchaeus the man. They saw Zacchaeus as a wicked man. A man that was deplorable and a man that is was irredeemable. That's how they viewed Zacchaeus. They viewed him as irredeemable. And when Jesus showed up into Zacchaeus' life and Jesus attempted to redeem, uh, he attempted to uh, redeem Zacchaeus' life, people murmured and they complained. They did not want to see Zacchaeus redeemed. They did not want to see Zacchaeus lifted up, amen, from that despicable place of society, amen. They wanted to see him crushed. They wanted to see him uh, uh, punished and destroyed for the things he had done to them, amen. But uh, the Bible says that the Lord, the Lord himself said, pray for them that despitefully use you. Love your enemies. We heard it a few moments ago. 
And wherever Zacchaeus looked for someone that would redeem him, he was sorely disappointed. Wherever Zacchaeus' eyes scanned uh, the, the premises and they scanned the, uh, the, the layout of the city of Jericho, and they, his eyes began to scan looking for somebody that would offer him redemption, looking for somebody that would offer him hope. Amen. From his, his place, his deplorable place of living, he was constantly disappointed. And maybe, no doubt, this was not the first time that Zacchaeus heard the complaining and the murmuring of people around him as maybe Zacchaeus uh, uh, asked a favor of somebody to, to do something nice for him and people would just slam the door in his face and, and people were rude to him and they were mean to him because of the life that he lived and the employment that he, that he had. And everywhere his eyes were sore with disappointment. But then along came a man named Jesus that came his way. And he was the proverbial sight for sore eyes. Amen. He was that one, amen, that, uh, that lifted up, amen, the eyes of Zacchaeus. And for once, Zacchaeus saw somebody that could potentially help his situation in life. Zacchaeus had a number of characteristics and there were a number of things that were stacked against him. Amen. The first of which the Bible says is that Zacchaeus was little of stature. He could not see Jesus for the press and the crowd that was gathered that day. Others prevented him from seeing Jesus. The Bible says he could not see Jesus because of the press, because of the people that were surrounding him. Amen. It wasn't uh, uh, Zacchaeus' uh, own inability, if you will, to see Jesus, but it was others that got in his way from seeing Jesus. And how often is it in our lives that there are so many, we allow others to get in our way of touching Jesus. We allow perhaps past offenses and shame and relationships from our past to, to block us and to stop us and to stifle us from reaching out and touching Him and seeing Him. And we would see Jesus, but, but all these things begin to come back into our mind. And we can't get over of the things that people have done in our lives and the way that people have treated us and all of the past failures and past mishaps and past broken relationships. And it's people that stop us from seeing Jesus. But Jesus, in the preceding chapter, chapter number 18 of the book of Luke, dealt with another man that couldn't see. The Bible says that Zacchaeus could not see Jesus for the press. But this was not the first time that Jesus dealt with somebody that was blind. You see, Zacchaeus was blinded because of other, other people's uh, interactions with him. And other people were hindering him from seeing Jesus. But just previously in, the, in Luke chapter number 18, it was blind Bartimaeus. It was, it was that blind man, amen, that cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And in that crowd that day, amen, all that Bartimaeus knew was that Jesus was somewhere in the midst and his, his eyes were blind and he could not physically see. He had all his own uh, personal impediments that, that stopped him and hindered him. The blind man had physical ailments that prevented him from seeing Jesus. Zacchaeus had social constraints that prevented him from seeing Jesus. 
And also listen in the preceding chapter. The story is told of the rich young ruler who failed to see where the true riches were. The rich young ruler failed to see where true riches were. He was blinded by wealth. He was blinded by, amen, the material possessions and the the earthly possessions. This rich young ruler, amen, could not see Jesus clearly as he was because he was blinded by material possessions. Can I tell you that there there are several things that will stop you from seeing Jesus the way that you ought to see him. Amen. Sometimes it's other people, amen, that we allow them to get in our way. We allow other people and how they treat us, amen, to stop us. I can't live for God because that man offended me, because that man failed in living for God, and that person did me wrong. And other times it's it's things that we got on the inside of our hearts and our lives. Blind Bartimaeus had some internal issues, amen. It was his own blind eyes that prevented him from seeing Jesus, but the rich young ruler, amen, could not see Jesus clearly because of earthly material possessions had a hold on him. He thought he was holding on, amen, to the worldly possessions, but it was the worldly possessions that were holding on to him. There are some things that will prevent you and I from seeing Jesus. And there are some things that will get in our way. Amen. And cause you to not to stop seeing Jesus the way that you ought to see him. The rich young ruler was blinded by wealth. He tried with conversation with Jesus. But he couldn't relinquish his earthly possessions. The blind man that we know from other gospels was Bartimaeus. Was hindered by physical ailments. But not blinded spiritually. Amen. He simply cried out for mercy. Amen. There is a way to penetrate the blindness. There is a way for you and I. Amen. To get through the blindness. To get through the blinders that the enemy has put upon our lives. And blind Bartimaeus did it. The first thing is to cry out. Amen. I don't know where he is. But if I can cry out. Amen. God can touch my blinded eyes. And Zacchaeus, though he was not physically blind, amen, he was blinded by those around him. But he recognized where true happiness was. And though he didn't feel, amen, like doing like Bartimaeus did and crying out, he did something a little bit differently. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get as close to him as is possible. What Zacchaeus determined in his heart, what he was going to do was just get as close to where Jesus was. Amen. Just get exactly where where I think he's going to be. Amen. Just get near him. And if I can get near him, I know that God will reach out to where I am. And God will help me in my current situation, in my current distress. Because I believe in Zacchaeus' heart, there was a desire that said, I want to, I want to let go of all the, the bondage that this world has placed me in. I want to let go of my stigma and all the vices of this world and the way that I've been living. I want to relinquish my way of doing things and I want to get back to where Jesus is. I want to get to where Jesus is. Hallelujah. The Bible says that he was chief among publicans. He was a man that had a bad, bad, bad reputation. His previous actions 
amen, had caused him to be an alien to be disinherited and to be no longer admitted, amen, to the services of the temple, amen, because of his past actions, it had caused him to be alien to the things of God. It had caused him to be disinherited from the family of God around him. That's why Brother Walmer read in Luke chapter 18 about the parable that Jesus told, amen, about two men that went into the temple. One was a Pharisee and one was a publican. One was a self-righteous individual that thought, my good works, amen, before the Lord, my good works and my good works alone are going to get me into heaven. My good works justify my righteousness. My good works, my God, look at all the things I've done. I'm a great man, and God, I'm so thankful for all of my great things I've done, and I thank you that I'm not like this publican. I thank you that I'm not like this publican. Amen. Then God begins to, if you will, uh, begins to uh, set the stage for Zacchaeus. In Luke 18, God begins to give a parable about the Pharisee, the publican. In Luke chapter 19, the publican shows up onto the scene of Bible scriptures. And it's almost as if it were that God knew, amen, that he was going to come across a Zacchaeus. And God was preparing the hearts of the people. Amen. Let me tell you something. When a sinner walks through the doors of this church, amen, we are to receive them. We are to love them. Amen. We are not to look down upon them and say, look at all your mistakes. Look at all your failures. Let you smell. You look discount. Amen. We're to say, God, I want you to touch them. God, I want you to be merciful. I want you to help them. And God knew that Zacchaeus was on his way. Else he would not have told that parable about the Pharisee and the publican. Hallelujah. God knows who's coming. God knows who's here. God knows who's on their way. God knew that Zacchaeus was going to walk onto the scene of his life. And God began to set the stage. I wonder how many stages God's setting for you, amen, to do some exploits in your life. But we don't often recognize. It's just a parable in Luke chapter 18 about a Pharisee and a publican. But God is already setting the stage because he wants to set the minds. He wants to, he wants to work on the mindset of the people that says, you know what? Publicans are bad. Publicans are sinners. Publicans don't deserve God. There's people that don't deserve God. They've done heinous crimes. They have no chance. Though there may be some crimes and some uh, actions that people have taken that have been hideous and, and, and vile and horrible. Amen. Everybody. Amen. No matter how bad it is. And, I, and I, there's no telling what this, these words may encompass. Amen. No matter how bad it is. Everybody deserves a chance. Amen. For redemption. Everybody deserves a chance for redemption. Amen. Though you may look down upon them. And though you may say that they... They don't deserve, amen, to have God's grace and God's mercy. God is already setting the stage for them to come. God's already preparing the atmosphere for the publican called Zacchaeus to walk onto the scene and to receive mercy and grace when he needs it the most. Hallelujah. Zacchaeus was chief among publicans. 
Zacchaeus was a very rich man, the Bible says. And society still today, we can look back in the scriptures and say, well, that, that was for a particular time. And, and oftentimes we try to compartmentalize scriptures and stories in the Bible. That was for that time. But this is different. But even still today, society still today tries to mischaracterize the rich and make them to be all bad people. But God loves everyone. The church is not a church for just poor people. It's not a church for just rich people. It's not a church for just middle, whatever the economic status is. It's for every class of people. That's why Luke chapter 18, he's touching the blind beggar man named Bartimaeus. And in Luke chapter 19, he's touching a similarly blind man named Zacchaeus. And he's a rich man and God's reaching from the bottom. And God's reaching from the top. And God's bringing them all together. And God's saying, you belong in the church. You belong in the family of God. Everybody should have a seat at the table. Amen. The God has spread for them. Amen. There is a place here in the church. Amen. For the wealthy and for the poor and for the middle class and every level in between. The Bible says that Zacchaeus, when seeing that Jesus was going to be coming to the area, the Bible says that he ran before. He ran before. He didn't care about his appearance when pursuing Jesus. A lot of times we come to church and we have real needs in our lives. And the altar calls given. And we don't run. I remember back in the day my, my dad used to say, before they give when they as soon as they give the altar call, I'm running to the altar. I don't see people running to the altar no more. But Zacchaeus ran displaying the urgency that he felt in his spirit. I've got to get to where Jesus is. I don't care about my appearance. When you're running, if I was to take off from here into a full sprint around this church a few times, my shirt tails would be untucked. I'd probably have to loosen my tie. I'd probably have to throw my coat off. I'd be sweat through my clothes. I wouldn't look very nice. Zacchaeus ran. Before him. Zacchaeus ran with urgency. And when you recognize how great your need is. Yes. And you come yeah. to an altar. That's right. You don't care what you look like in the altar. Yeah. It's just God. I've got a really urgent need right now. What's the need? I'm lost. Yeah. I need you. And I need you now. So many times we come to an altar, people come to an altar and they're so worried about a tear coming down their cheek. They're worried about uh, they're worried about how people view them and what what's going to happen. And they're so concerned about their physical appearance when you got a need like Zach is and you're sick and tired of the social stigma and you're sick and tired of being deplorable and irredeemable. Amen. Zach is recognized. I've got to, to get a hold of him and I don't care how I appear before others. I've got to simply touch him. I've got to reach him. I've got to get a hold of him. Amen. Zacchaeus didn't stop with just running. Amen. Though Zacchaeus ran, he still was up against the crowd or the press that day. And so Zacchaeus 
in his attempt, amen, to overcome obstacle after obstacle, Zacchaeus began to look around. He began to look around. What am I going to do? There's so many people. I ran. I, I did everything I could. And sometimes it's here where we stop. Sometimes it's right here where we stop. And we think, well, I ran. I expressed urgency. And still I can't get through because everybody else is, is, is stopping me. It's hindering me. Zacchaeus looked for another way to overcome that obstacle. He looked around. He said, there's a tree. It's a sycamore tree. I think I can climb up that tree. I haven't done it since I was a boy. But let's give it a shot. Here we go. Because I got some urgent needs that I got to have addressed. In climbing up a sycamore tree. Imagine this morning. Amen. We'll pick on Brother Walmer. He's a friend. He picks on everybody else too. Imagine Brother Walmer outside. Climbing up a tree. To see Jesus. Everybody would say, his wife probably would say, get down there, you look silly. What are you doing? Everybody around says, what are you doing? You're wearing a suit and tie. Why are you climbing a tree? Zacchaeus did not consider his own dignity when desiring to see Jesus. He said, I don't care. Everybody else, they, they, don't, they don't care about me. They, they really don't care about me. The only one that can make the change, make it all better, is this man named Jesus. Yes. And somehow, I've, I've ran. I'm going to climb up a tree. And that sycamore tree had these low-hanging branches, according to, uh, I don't know if it's botany or whatever the study is, but uh, it had low-hanging branches. So you could get up to a sycamore and climb up and be hanging over uh, a, a walkway. And there, sitting in the sycamore tree, was Zacchaeus trying to outthink the crowd like he had always done. Outthink the masses and try to, uh, you know, whatever, whether it was extortion or whatever the crime was. At trying to outthink and stay ahead of the people. Climbed up the sycamore tree and waited for Jesus to walk that path under that sycamore tree. And there was Zacchaeus, amen, just sitting on that tree saying, I wonder if he really is that man that they say he is. I wonder if he really is the Messiah. I wonder if he really is who he says he is. Amen. No matter the doubt or the questions in your mind on this sunny morning, what you've got to do is get as close to him as possible. Amen. Draw aside. Amen. Your inhibitions, your dignity, your pride, and say, God, wherever it is that you're at is where I want to be. I've got to get near to where you are on this day. I've got to see you. Those that sincerely desire to see Jesus will use every means possible for gaining a sight of him and will have to break through a great deal of oftentimes difficulty and opposition and they must be willing to take great pains to see him. Can I surprise you and burst your bubble? It's not going to be easy if you really want something from God. You've got to press sometimes. You've got to push past obstacles. Zacchaeus had to push past obstacles. Bartimaeus couldn't 
push the obstacle he couldn't see. He had to reach out vocally and cry out, God help me in my distress. The Bible says that he made haste in obeying the Lord to come down the tree. And my question to you today is, are you recognizing the opportunity in front of you? And are you hastening God's work in your life? Or when God calls to you and sit in your tree and you've done everything you can. And the, the Lord speaks to you and says, hey, make haste, come on down. Come down to the altar. Come down to a place of prayer. I'll take my time. I'll take my time. God, my time, Lord. I don't feel comfortable yet. God says, I'm passing by Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, I'm passing by from Jericho. And I'm on my way to be delivered up. This is your last chance. You read this, the following chapters, it wasn't very long before Jesus was on a cross being crucified. This was Zacchaeus' last opportunity as God reached for him. Are you taking your time with the things of God or are you hastening like Zacchaeus? Are you, as Zacchaeus did, receiving him joyfully or are you receiving him grudgingly? Is it a joyful welcome or is it a grudgingly Welcome. The Bible says that Zacchaeus, at the moment that he made haste to come down the tree and the Lord began to, uh, to, begin to talk to him and began to uh, give him different words that he needed to hear, the Bible says that he repented. In verse number 8, he says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. All Jesus had said to him was, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at your house. Zacchaeus' next response is to come down off the tree. And he began to repent. He began to show fruits of repentance. The, the issue is many times in our world today is we can verbally repent and we can say, God, forgive me. I repent. But there's no fruits meet for repentance. We can, we can come to an altar. We can, as some churches do that, we can confess and say, God, I'm making confession. But there's no fruits meet for repentance. There's no proof in the pudding, if you will. But in Zacchaeus' response in verse number 8, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I take anything by, from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. He was repenting. He was saying, God, I'm sorry for what I've done, and I'm going to make it right. Can I tell somebody today that your pocketbook is an indication of your heart? Your pocketbook is an indication of your heart. I am not a preacher. I'm not a pastor that, that always preaches about give, give, give to the church. I don't want to be that kind of a pastor. But your pocketbook is an indication of your heart. So you have been converted. But has your pocketbook, your pocketbook been converted? You say, I've been converted. 
But your, 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 fun, your money, your finances don't show the conversion. The Lord himself gave that, uh, that phrase that will live on. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That thing that's got a hold of your money, that's also got a hold of your heart. Some of you are struggling to pay your time. You haven't relinquished all of your heart yet to God. The old phrase we hear in business, follow the money to find out what's really going on. In Zacchaeus' heart of hearts was genuine repentance. He didn't just say, God, I'm sorry. He said, God, I'm going to make things right. God, I'm opening up my wallet. My Everything about my person is going to be converted. I'm not going to relegate you to certain areas of my life. People that are repentant begin rendering to God what is God's. The rich young ruler had been Quote, unquote, converted. I've, I've obeyed all the law the commandments since my youth. But when it came to his finances. Hold on, Lord. Now, now you're, touch, you're, you're, you're touching a touchy subject, oh Lord. And in the church, we still get quiet when we talk about money. But it's not something we should be quiet about. His, the rich young rule had been converted. But his pocketbook was never converted. And as such, he walked away from God sorrowfully. Because God could not have unbridled access to every area of his life. And it's still that way today. God is looking for unbridled access to every area of your life. God wants to know I've got complete control over their lives. Because if I've got control, that means they're out of control. And I can lead them. And I can guide them. And I can bless them. And I can prosper them. And I know by looking at their pocketbook where their heart is at, if their heart's right with God. Repentance always has evidence. Faith is the the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Also, faith without works is dead. Amen. Zacchaeus didn't just repent, but he had fruits meet for repentance. When we come to God and we repent of our sins and we say, God, no more living like I used to live. Here's the evidence of my repentance. Here's the fruits of my repentance. I'm canceling old subscriptions. I'm throwing out cigarettes. I'm throwing out all the things that used to hold me down and be that vice in my life. I'm getting rid of the old. I'm saying all things have got to become brand new in my life. Zacchaeus lived uh, before the Lord to make money. And now he lived to use it for righteousness. His life was altered. It was radically changed. All things had passed away. And all things had become new in Zacchaeus' life. And the choices that Zacchaeus made. Here's the thing that a lot of times we forget to, and we don't realize is that your choices affect those in your family. Zacchaeus' choice, amen, to, to run 
amen, to where Jesus was. Zacchaeus' choice to climb up a sycamore tree. His, his choice to make haste and come down. His choice, amen, the choice that Zacchaeus made to repent and to give to God and to give to others and restore others affected, the Bible says, his household. His household was affected. Can I speak to some men in the church today? Amen. You affect your families more than you realize. Amen. They're looking to a mom. They're looking to a dad, a grandpa. They're looking to somebody that is a spiritual leader in their home that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Zach is determined. I'm done living like I used to live. No more extorting. No more stealing. I'm going to be honest and upright before the Lord. I'm making my way back to Jesus. And God has redeemed Zacchaeus' life. Amen. And isn't it interesting, amen, as we, as we read the scriptures in Luke chapter 19, amen, that the, verse number 8 says at the final last line, line of that scripture, Zacchaeus says, I restore him Fourfold. Amen. Zacchaeus attempted to restore that that he had stolen from his brother. And when he restored his brother, when he took care of his neighbor, when he restored that that he had taken from, the next thing that the Lord says, amen, is no longer basically are you a, are you a publican, but now you're a son of Abraham. God reinstated Zacchaeus the publican as a Jew, as a child of God. If you can restore somebody else, if you can pray for somebody else, if we can watch our attitudes regarding our neighbor, God will take care of that thing that you have need of today. Come on, why don't we clap our hands and worship him? Hallelujah, hallelujah. In restoring others, God began to restore him. In Zacchaeus' restoration of others' lives, Brother Danny, God began to restore his life. So you say, Pastor, preacher, I've got a need in my life. What about somebody else's need in in, in the church? Work for their need. Somebody told me a long time ago, if you can ever work for somebody else's dream, don't expect somebody to work for your dream. Zacchaeus, if you can't restore your fellow man, God's not going to restore you. You've got to take care of the horizontal, and God will take care of the vertical. I'm taking care of what's on this horizontal plane. I'm making sure everything's right with me and my brother. And God's going to take care of this thing. I can't, I can't pray. I can't, I can't live for God. I'm a publican. I got this, this stigma. I got this reputation. When Jesus declared Zacchaeus a son of Abraham, he reinstated him into the kingdom of God and allowed him to again have a place in the temple. God can restore what your past mistakes have taken from your life. Can I say that again today? God can restore in your life, just like he did Zacchaeus' life, the things that your past mistakes have taken from your life. You say, oh, i got a past, a rich past, a rich history of fails 
uh, failures and mistakes. And it's all those things that hold me down. Amen. God can restore what the devil has taken from your life. God can restore it in a moment as you reach out and grab your neighbor and say, God, restore him. Amen. So you got a son or a daughter that needs to come back to God. Pray for somebody else's son or daughter. So you got an unsafe spouse that's away from God. Pray for somebody else's unsafe spouse. So you got a financial need in your life. Pray for somebody else's financial need. And watch God work in your life. I've got to the point, amen, where I don't just pray for Abundant Life Center as a church where I pastor, but I pray for other churches in the surrounding area. God help the churches in Tracy, in Modesto, in Stockton, in San Jose, and as many as I can remember. I pray, God, give them revival. God bless them. God help them. Because in the process of Zacchaeus restoring his brother, God restored him. In the process of you saying, I'm going to help somebody else. God is helping you. God is helping you. I'm reminded of a story I heard years and years ago. I may not tell it exactly correctly, but the story goes of two men that were walking in a blinding blizzard with below freezing temperatures trying to go from their campsite to the nearest town where they could find warmth and shelter. And these two men trudging through that thick snow, trying to get from where they were to that safe, that place of safety in that, that neighboring town. And in that process of trudging through that, uh, that very thick, that several feet deep snow, uh, one man stumbled across another man that had just fallen down into the snow. And they had been... Uh, hiking, they've been walking that path for, for some time and they were already tired and the one man that tripped, he began to lift him up and he began to say, come on, help me pick up this man that just fell into the snow, help me to pick him up and the other man said, no way, we're not going to make it, we can't afford to help this other guy that fell, he should have planned and prepared better, uh, he should have done some other things right and the other man said, I want to keep going, I ain't got time for this, you try and figure this out and so the other man that stayed behind struggled and finally got to where he could pick up the man from the snow and put him on his shoulder. And he put the man on his shoulder and he began to trudge through that, that snow that was several feet deep until he could get to that, that city that was uh, just off a little bit ways away. And he began to see the light of the city and he knew that I'm getting a little bit closer. And as that man that was carrying the, the previously fallen man on his shoulder began to walk through that snow, he tripped again. And he fell. He found the guy that he was just walking with had fallen to the snow. But now that man that was walking did not have the ability to pick him up. And he said, I'll be back. I'm going to keep going. I can only do what I can do. And he picked up that, he kept that guy on his shoulder and continued traveling toward that light in that neighboring city. And he finally made it to that neighboring city and dropped that man off in a hospital. And later on found out by the doctors that that man had only survived. And actually both of those men had only survived by the warmth they received from one another. 
It was the warmth uh, that each man provided the other that helped them to sustain that that snow, uh, that deep walk in the snow, and that and that blizzard as it was blowing upon them. And they thought, you know what? Me helping this guy's gonna hurt me. No, it actually is going to help you as you're reaching out to help somebody else, Zacchaeus, and as you're restoring somebody else, God is fixing to restore your life. God's fixing to move for your life, Zacchaeus. God can give you a richness of life that money never could buy. Obstacles had to be overcome in Zacchaeus' life. Obstacles such as stature, such as what will others think about me. Obstacles people have in their mind are changes I must make if I'm going to live for God. We put all these obstacles in our way. I can't do it because what are my neighbors going to think about me? What is my friend going to think about me? He's going to say I'm a hypocrite. He's going to say, here you go again, trying to live for God. What's, what's my family going to say about me? Uh, what, what is the devil going to say about me? And when my dad first came back to God after being away for many years, the devil lied to him and said, you're not going to make it one day. A day passed. You're not going to make it three days. Three days passed. You're not going to make it one week. And it went to one month and to, to six months to one year until finally, amen, the, that lion spirit left him alone as he began to make his way, living for God. And all of the lies that were told against him began to fall, defeated behind a path of victory that God helped him to blaze a trail with. So what others think about me doesn't matter. Amen. My physical ailments and handicaps don't matter. The changes I must make should not stop me. Whatever comes in the way, whether inward or outward obstacles, whether personal or social hindrances, I must see Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today as we close this service out? The final words to this story is in Luke 19 and 10. Jesus says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Though we could argue back and forth and say, Zacchaeus sought the Lord. Can I tell you, it was actually the Son of Man that was seeking him out. You see, I've been seeking for the Lord. I've been seeking. I've been, I've been looking. I've been trying to get to the right place. But Jesus summarized this story and says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Mankind had lost its way utterly. Zacchaeus had lost his way from the home of God, from the fields of truth, from the path of holiness, from the fountains of joy. He was wandering blind and miserable in forbidden ways, was stumbling on the dark mountains of air and sin, and the Son of Man came to seek him. The Son of Man, Jesus, came walking along that road. He said, i, I got to go through Jericho because... I've been looking for Zacchaeus. I've been looking for him. I've been seeking. When is Zacchaeus going to come out of hiding? 
When is Zach going to reach a point in his life where he gets sick and tired of the way he's been living? When is Zacchaeus going to get sick and tired of the void and the emptiness in his life? And Zacchaeus is going to finally lay aside pride and lay aside dignity and lay aside inhibition saying, okay, God, you got me. I need you, God. I'm going to run. I'm going to run to where you are. I'm going to lay everything aside. I'll climb up a tree. I'll humiliate myself if I got to. But I need to be restored to fellowship with God. I need to be restored to fellowship with God. The Son of Man came to lead him back again and to restore, amen, to its heritage in wisdom and righteousness to God. The word lost, the word lost, speaks to us of the vessel that is far out of its track. And drifting toward the rocks where it will find its ruin. It speaks of the traveler lost along the mountains. The word lost. The word lost. We sing that song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I don't know what it's like to be lost in the in a world of sense of just being completely lost and disoriented. From what I hear and have talked to people that have been lost, it's utterly frightening. You feel hopeless. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm lost. We must never in the church forget the feeling of being lost. Of being lost. I don't know how I'm going to get out of my situation. Whether Zacchaeus realized it or not, the Lord knew. Zacchaeus, you're lost. You don't know what you're doing, Zacchaeus. You don't know how to get out. Zacchaeus, you've got to know you're lost. And we have got to come to understand if we're going to find him, we've got to first realize I'm lost. I need him. I can't make it without him. I need God to work in my life. The word lost speaks of the traveler lost among the mountains, moving toward the precipice over which he is bound to fall and perish. It speaks of the sad story, old as sin, but young as yesterday, of one that has been deceived and led astray. Over whose character and over whose future the darkest shadows rest. The sense in which each sinful human soul is lost. It has lost its way. It is a traveler going in the wrong direction. Away from his home. Toward a perilous place. Lost in the sense it has lost its treasure. It has lost its heritage. Life has lost its meaning to the lost person. And finally it has lost its worth. Its likeness to God. It has been brought down to folly to that which is unbeautiful and unworthy. Zacchaeus was lost. 
The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. When you're lost at sea, you're looking for a lighthouse on the rocks that's unmoving. Zacchaeus was on that sea of life. He was being tossed to and fro. And suddenly, his eyes saw a lighthouse. There's somebody that is unchanging. There's somebody that's going to help me find my way home. There's somebody that's going to help me find my way back to fellowship with God. I'd like us to lift our voices and our hands today to the Lord. I'd like us to reach out to him right now for a few moments. I'd like us to call out to him today. I want us just to take a few moments and just reach out to him. In your own way, I want you to talk to God right now. In your own words, in your own way, I want you just to begin to say, Jesus, Jesus, they, they said the old prayer was, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Somebody in this place today, whether you realize it or not, you are lost without him. Maybe you're in the house. You say, well, I'm living for God. I'm living for God. I'm going to church and I'm doing the things I know to do. Amen. It's possible to be in the church, in the house, but still lost. Don't try to put this message on somebody else sitting next to you and say, that's for him. That's for her. Amen. Everybody ought to say, God, let me examine myself. Have I lost my way in living for God? Have I reached a point in life, God, where I'm lost and I've lost my way? I've lost the value of the things of God. I need you, Lord. Amen. If you've got a voice, I'd lift it up right now and I'd reach out to Him. If you've got no voice, Amen. I can, I do like Zacchaeus did, and I get as close to him as possible. Oh God, I pray, Lord, you would speak, Lord, to every heart, speak to every life in this place today, Lord. God, as the eyes of the people have continued to scan the landscape looking for a Savior, looking for a Redeemer, looking for somebody who would deal with them in hope, they're looking today. May their eyes land upon a man from Galilee. May the eyes of the people today stop long enough to see you, Lord. As you are today, reaching for their lives. I pray, Lord, for everybody under the sound of my voice. Lord, that is in desperate need today of a radical shift, of a radical change in their life. That those individuals would make their way, God, to the place where you are today. I'm praying, Lord, for somebody, Lord, that would simply step out from where they are today. Amen. We only have many times, uh, you come to church once a week or twice a week. It's not a lot, really. 
Amen. This is a one time you get in the course of your week to come to an altar. I want to invite somebody to come to a place where you can find answers for your problems. I'm opening up this altar right now for somebody, amen, as a Zacchaeus that would reach out, get out from where they are, and say, God, I'm going to that place where you are abiding, that place that you're passing through. Come on, I'm opening up this altar right now. Hallelujah, this altar is open. Come on, this is your opportunity. This is your chance. This is your opportunity on a Sunday morning to get down. Amen. To reach out to where he is. Amen. However, you've got to do it. If like blind Bartimaeus, you cry out right where you are. Or like Zacchaeus, you make your way to an altar. You make your way to the feet of Jesus. Lord, I recognize that you're passing by this morning. Come on, let's lift up our voices in this place. Come on, let's lift up our voices. Let's reach out to Him. Lord, we reach out to You today. Lord, I pray, Lord, that You would help us to take care of the horizontal. Help us to take care of our relationship with our brother and with our sister. God, that you might restore the things that the world has taken from our lives. I'm praying today for my brother and for my sister. If everything's okay in your life, or if you just simply got a need, amen, I challenge you to reach out your hand and to lay your hand upon your neighbor where it's appropriate and pray, God, meet the need of my brother. Meet the need of my sister. I need some people to help pray for somebody else. Maybe you don't have a need, but there are others in this place that need your prayers. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord.